0: My name is Dana Sparks. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Sean Meadow. Alongside me. Cal Will. Adam Everhart. And we're here on our Emerald Soccer Podcast. We're not really with a name. We have Emerald FC as the holding title. So, if you have one, let us know at Daily Emerald on Twitter or at ODE Sports. We can also respond to that, or just our personal accounts on Twitter. I'm open to suggestions. But we're going to start with some pretty big news out of the Pacific Northwest, where we're located here in Eugene, Oregon, just up I uh, 5 in Portland. Caleb Porter is out as the head coach of the Portland Timbers. He had a 68 50 52 record, uh, won the MLS Cup in 2015. Took Portland to the top of the Western Conference this year, but they crashed down to the Houston Dynamo a round ago in the Western Conference playoff picture. We're now into the conference finals. We'll get to that talk later, but that is the big news that comes out, and a lot of the things on Twitter people are speculating is the United States men's national team. That could be the next destination for Porter. I'm not sure about that. I think he's a good enough coach to coach the U.S. men's national team. I just don't know if the U.S. is going to make another MLS hire, because Bruce Arena was that MLS hire. I thought that was right for the time. I didn't think he necessarily did a poor job. I didn't think he did a great job, though. He didn't do the job he was supposed to do, which was get them to the World Cup. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well in the show some more, but back to Porter What's the initial reaction for you guys? I know, Cal, you're from Portland, so what's this reaction?
0: Yeah, you know, it came as somewhat of a shock. Um, you hear murmurs of it as the offseason uh, begins after that tough loss in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's just it's hard to stomach, really. Um, did a great job developing players at Akron and Portland. And um, I'm curious to see what his next steps are and where he goes from here. And also what the Timbers do to uh, fill the void at coach. And, and that's that's an interesting point. The, the void is now... A big one. That MLS
1: Cup final in 2015 was the pinnacle of probably, I would say it's the pinnacle, I'm sure
0: you'd agree, for Portland. Definitely. Really the Portland sports scene in the last couple years. The last
1: last title was what? The the Blazers in the 70s? Yeah,
0: 1977. The city's really taken to the Timbers, so it's it's really hard to see the coach go. It was exciting back in 2015 when they won that Cup, so it's hard to know where they go from here, really.
1: I I finally made it out to a game actually with you back in August against the... Rapids and that was pretty phenomenal. Yeah it's what a great a, atmosphere for sure. And, and Adam you're I know
2: a, a Sounders
1: <laughs> fan. Sounders so.
2: fan I got a lot of family in Seattle so I'm a big Sounders guy so I'm not uh, I'm not too broken up about it. Uh, it was always a bummer to see a rival. I lose a head coach but I can't really see him going to the men's national team. How like, come? The MLS hire they need I just think coaches from the MLS who are how coaches who have a base in the MLS just don't have the aggressive, kind of straightforward attitude that a lot of the international coaches bring to the, the men's national team, and I feel like there needs to be a big shakeup in terms of attitude.
1: So is that like a Pep Guardiola call, is this what you're no,
2: making? No, Or is
1: this like a Sam Allardyce call?
2: Uh, because, you know, that's not a bad idea, but again, it's just I wouldn't like... want
1: to bring Sam Allardyce, and I wouldn't want to bring in any of those EPL retrend coaches, those ones that constantly pop up over and over again, but... I don't know if you look at Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho type.
2: Not Mourinho, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, it, it needs to be, the, the federation needs to sit back and they really need a whole change of attitude. And the, the entire, especially the senior team and the U23s, just need a huge shakeup in attitude in terms of, I it's just, not, I don't want to say entitlement, but just in terms of being... Uh, being a more complete organization, you know, because the, the the consistency with the defense between the midfield through the whole World Cup qualifiers was just really not there. And I think that came back. I mean, it did come back to bite him. It did. And, so, and yeah.
1: It did. And going back to Portland, though, pretty big for them is the fact that Porter has apparently left himself. Like, he left. He didn't get fired.
2: Yeah, he left. he left. Yeah,
1: so he, his decision to leave the club is pretty big, and I mean it was a pretty big year for. It was after Portland. an extension, right? Uh,
2: you got extended. I so. And, and hang on. You have, you have. Yeah, 2016.
1: Exactly. So you have, you have that. But then I look at it like this: you have Portland really making this stride for soccer. The Thorns, tens of thousands of fans go to each game. They win MLS or NWSL, pardon me, MLS Cup. A run in the playoffs for the Timbers. It's Looking good soccer in Portland is looking so great that even rail Salt Lake goes there to work on their NWSL franchise which is a whole different can of worms that I am not going to dive into because it literally just took them 15 days to come up with the idea, yep, we're going to make a club. They don't even know if they're going to bring Kansas City. I'm not going to get too into that. But it's it's a phenomenal city for soccer and I definitely think some of it has to do with that vacancy at the US Men's National Team but we're going to keep it with MLS here and dive into the Western Conference and Eastern Conference finals. Columbus and Toronto at Columbus. That's on the 21st. I believe that's Tuesday next week. What do you guys think? Save the crew? The big big push to keep the Columbus crew in Columbus, the owner trying to move them to Austin, Texas. Toronto FC in the final last year. They lost to the Seattle Sounders.
2: That's terrible, a big matchup. Awful game though. Terrible, terrible one of the most boring finals that I've ever That was one seen of the life. worst finals.
1: But this Western Conference final with Columbus playing the way they are
2: Eastern
1: Con- or Eastern Conference yeah. final, the way that they're playing, the way they are. Toronto playing so well. Giovinco looking so good. Jose Altador has been inconsistent, but he can show up in big games. What what are you taking this one? I mean, you want to just jump into prediction? Or do you want to oh, want to talk a little more about? Toronto's
2: that? gonna get through, no problem. It's like it's, it's, it's like NBA, man. It's like Cavs just you know waltz through the East Coast Conference and just get to the final. That's kind of what it seems like the past two years, especially like Toronto's just such a good team and Columbus. I wouldn't say they slid by Atlanta, but it wasn't it wasn't a um um sorry New, not Atlanta New York. I wouldn't say they slid by New York, but it wasn't like the most. Even, even though the first game was 4-1, it wasn't the most assured victory, especially since the second leg was 2-0. You know what I mean? It wasn't the most confident, um, I guess, semifinal leg win that I've ever seen in my life. I just don't think, I just don't see any way that the Columbus crew can beat uh, Toronto.
1: Okay, and then, I know, for me at least, I'd say Toronto, the stronger side in this one, but Columbus playing with some some different type of passion that I think Toronto won't have and that's trying to keep the team they, they, they've grown to these fans It's a big part of the game of soccer that's a big part of any sport I, I'm going to say Columbus is going to pull it out I say that they will do it I think they'll get by Toronto just because they're playing with a little bit of a different piece of passion that Toronto's not going to have with them I don't know about you Cal, that's yeah me. I'm
0: curious to see how it goes I mean if I'm not mistaken Josie Altidore, Giovinco both suspended for this match correct?
1: That's what I remember, at least.
0: Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how they play without those two players. But yeah, I'm, I'm, exa- I'm looking forward to it for sure.
1: It's going to be a good one, but you have, for me at least, the bigger game. It's got to be Houston versus Seattle, because that was nearly Portland-Seattle, and I think everyone in MLS fans and definitely the TV folks really wanted that to be the matchup, a little uh, Cascadia Cup, if you may say. Pacific-Northwest rivalry, but Houston versus Seattle. Houston's field back when they played against Portland was,
0: was I horrendous. Think, horrendous. I think, I think shambles,
1: horrendous is probably a good word. Terrible. One of the worst fields you'll ever see, I think, in professional soccer at this level, at least MLS. Normally I'm not a fan of turf, but at that point, man, turf would have been the better alternative. The injuries happening, mm-hmm. most of them, of course, going against the opposition, which is Portland. This one is at Houston. Whether they get that field fixed or not, I think will have an impact on the game. Seattle plays on turf. Houston plays on grass. You play on bad grass when you're used to turf, you get hurt. We saw that happen to the Timbers. Could we see that with Seattle? How does the game get affected? That one ended in a nil-nil draw.
2: That's that's what I'm hoping for. Is well, a, you a as slow, a Seattle. A sl- yeah, a Seattle team. I'm hoping for a, a Dynamo slow start. I would I would be totally fine with a tie coming out of Houston. Um, even Even a 2-1 loss, having the away goal is better than nothing. You know what I mean? Um, Houston's field is so poor. It's been poor for for years. I I'm really hoping that uh, we survive any sort of major catastrophic injury, especially to the midfield. But uh, it's so unpredictable going down to play in Houston.
1: And the man of the moment's been Clint Dempsey so far. His, oh yeah. His performance in that second leg for Seattle in the last round was was what you want from a guy that's your captain type. That's your your leader. Your your club scorer. That's what you want. He's the comeback player of the year for MLS after heart condition, a regular heartbeat, and he's back, and he's playing really well. Both those goals were pretty good goals, too. The second one was just a beautiful read. The cross was phenomenal and a good finish. The other one, the first goal, that was just a really good Clinton Dempsey goal. Top of the box, able to pick out a spot and just quick reaction shot, bottom corner goal. That's what you want from him. He's just been clutch.
2: Yeah, I mean, clutch in, in club, yeah, but... You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> this is, this is
1: this podcast is going to tie back to the U.S. Men's National Team. I think
2: every, yeah, every every little section we got every here. Every section. Yeah, no, I was really happy that Dempsey Dempsey's in is his clutch playoff form for MLS. I'm just hoping that doesn't uh, doesn't die out a little bit at all in this Western Conference Finals. It, again, the Sounders first league against the Vancouver Whitecaps away did worry me a little bit. There was you know yeah. just tip, very typical 0-0 game, just crap load of chances.
1: It was one of the worst
2: rounds I think of soccer. It was it was very that first poor. leg
1: from oh, the ex- the conference
2: semifinals was might,
1: might have been the worst round of soccer I think I've really seen so- in, in MLS. Yeah, yeah. MLS. Yeah, in MLS in MLS playoff hit. like in I mean I'm not old enough to remember the '96 and through probably the early 2000s, but I can remember quite a big stretch. And my goodness, that
2: was one, some of the yeah, worst soccer it, I've seen. It was not. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, both Western Conference games were zero zeros. You know, so. It it was not really not impressive. I don't know why. Um, it's not like they didn't have their chances, but you know, it's just it is what it is.
1: So what what are your guys' predictions for the Western Conference final? Houston, Seattle. I know the first leg hasn't even been played, but go ahead. What are they?
0: Yeah, I'm honestly liking Seattle. Um, I think it depends on if Jordan Morris comes back from his injury, his hamstring injury. Um, but I think they've got a solid squad. Obviously, they've been here last year. They know how, what it takes to uh, win in these big games, these big uh, moments. So, yeah, I'm liking the Sounders for sure.
1: Jordan Morris has been fun. He This is this, this yeah, one great of those young player. talents that he's fun to watch, but you, you always wonder, and I'm going to tie it back to the U.S. men's national team, Christian Pulisic yep. saying players need to go abroad. He had the option, had Germany. I want to say it was, it was uh, Wolfsburg, Vader Bremen.
2: Which uh, one was it? Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg, I think. I think it was Wolfsburg. He had
1: that option, and he, he turned it down. He wanted to go home, be in Seattle with his girlfriend, his dog, his mother, his, his father.
0: Yeah, I think that speaks a lot that, to the uh, culture works. they have there in Seattle. Um, it, it's,
1: a, it's a close-knit community. It's a big stadium, but they still fill it out, and you feel like you're in a home. That's pretty good. I'm going to take Seattle as well. It's not even going to be close.
2: Uh, I'm going to take Seattle, but I think it's going to be a little bit closer. Um, I, Houston's definitely tricky, and especially having to go down and play there the first game, I can see some possible mistakes happening there and letting in a goal, maybe two. I mean, I hate to be pessimistic, but I try to be more realistic most of the time. I think the Sounders will pull it out, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout.
1: Well, it would probably be pretty cool for Houston <laughs> to get another championship, especially this year after the hurricane they they faced. I mean, the Astros winning the World Series, top it off with an MLS Cup, that would be pretty nice for Houston. But the rest of the country still mourning as the U.S. men's national team fell out of the world cup they don't get in we haven't really been able to go into it here on the emerald soccer podcast but that definitely hurt we've talked about it a lot the u.s probably taking a big step back sunil galati is going to be challenged by a lot of people to run for the ussf president spot and we'll see what happens Bruce Arena stepping aside who's on fox's broadcast the U.S. brought a young team to play in Lisbon against Portugal. They bring out the 1-1 draw. There were some good signs. The goal against them was a howler. We're not going to talk about much, but it
0: was blunder. as
1: simple as you could say, a left-footed cross from the left side that had a little bit of an outside curve to it. The goalkeeper dives down to it. It drops right through his arms, through his legs. He kind of dove towards the ball. Not something you want to teach. Get your body behind the ball. Squeezes right under in John Brooks. Slides to try and get it off the goal line, but before he gets there, it crosses the line and hits the side netting 1-1, but the U.S. looked good, they looked young, and that that was a good sign. I think that's the future, is the young players, and I think Christian Pulisic in his Players Tribune story, which I recommend anyone to read, you can find that anywhere online, just Google Christian Pulisic Players Tribune, and it's honestly one of the best little pieces of writing you'll see about the U.S.'s U.S. Fallout from the World Cup, especially from someone who contributed to—I want to say—it was 12 out of the 17 goals they scored in the hexagonal during the World Cup qualifying process. But we're gonna try not talk too much about the U.S. and talk about the rest of the World Cup field, which includes a lack of other countries: Chile, Ghana, the Netherlands, and Italy. Falling out of that, what happened? The Italians go. Gigi Buffon, that he's was retiring. Sad. Pirlo's that, retiring yep, that too. That was really sad. I know that's 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 tough. Pirlo wasn't in that team, obviously, but
2: Buffon,
0: still
1: retiring is sad. But still a Buffon, lot of age
0: on that team for sure.
1: Seen Buffon cry after that.
2: Buffon campaign. not getting his last World Cup was really really pretty. That was a big bummer. That was that was probably the worst part.
1: You guys think they'll do a an NIT type of thing? I hope so. I, I would be up for it. I would I would think that's a good way to get some practice under the belt of some of the younger players. But I don't see Italy bringing their good players. I don't know about the Netherlands bringing their best players to a tournament like that, nor would Chile or Ghana. Can you see Alexis Sanchez being up for that? I can't. Can you see Ian Robin being up for that?
0: No, I can't. No, yeah, it'd definitely be hard to uh, get motivation for a tournament like that. But uh, something I think the fans would like to see, especially the U.S. fans, maybe even Italy fans, but... Definitely a lot of good teams that are on the outside looking in for this World Cup.
1: It would be it would be pretty fun to to have that happen in the U.S. as well. I think That's what you're alluding to there, Cal. Yes, it, yes, <laughs> that exactly.
0: Be, that's what I'm alluding to. That
1: would be fun. There,
2: there haven't we'll been like about any that. official talk that has there. It's just been like speculation, right? It's
1: it's complete speculation yeah. at the moment. But there's been some people who have been able to source. I believe it was sourced by ESPN. They said some people they were talking to hmm. had. Had some information that this was something that the U.S. was looking into. And, of course, they're looking into it. I mean, I, for one, tweeted it immediately after Italy got knocked out. So, yeah. But Russia hosting the World Cup. They're in. So is Brazil. Iran makes it in. You got some other teams that you expect, like the Germans, the English, the Spanish. The Italians missing out, though. They were in Spain's group. They lose to Sweden. But a big one was Denmark knocking off Ireland. Northern Ireland getting knocked out as well. And Peru getting in over... New Zealand, Australia, beating Honduras, which could have been the United States spot, but it wasn't. Portugal, Argentina, they're in. France, of course. Iceland will continue their phenomenal journey. They've been just a joy to watch. And then you have some fun ones, Morocco getting in and Egypt as well. So that's not obviously all 32. I'm not going to read you every single one, but those are just a good grouping of them. And I think I think it's going to be a fun World Cup like every single else, every single one that come before it but i know it's way early but might as well guys predictions let's hear
0: them i mean i think first and foremost we'd have to wait to see the groups but um that's a good point you know it's hard for me to make a prediction i'm really just excited overall for this world cup obviously you're missing some classic powers but i think it'll be exciting having some new teams in there i'm seeing teams like senegal egypt even egypt has exciting players but going forward I definitely think it's going to be exciting to watch and even though the United States isn't in it I mean it doesn't exactly like ruin my motivation to watch but I'm definitely excited for it is this the
1: chance for Lionel Messi this is the last one really this, this is, is the, the one last if he's cementing the best player in the world that's one of the argu- that's one of the, the arguments that people always bring up is he didn't win a world cup he hasn't won a world cup this is his chance Argentina he was the hero right at the end of their qualification campaign gets them in I don't know if Argentina is good enough to win it all. I think this might be the one that Brazil does it. The one thing they were missing at that World Cup when they hosted it in 2014 was the defense. And boy, they fixed that. Neymar's only gotten older. And with age comes experience. And he resurrected soccer for that country with his penalty kick to win the Olympic gold at 2016 against the Germans, who they lost to in the 7-1 to one. <laughs>
2: defeat still weird to say
1: say that happened but i think for me brazil good chance i don't know how the weather competes with it i'm not sure how russia in the summer is but from the confederations cup standpoint at least it didn't look too bad sure it'll be fine you're not playing in snow so it probably will be fine i think they have a really good chance at winning this they're my favorites if you ask me the germans as well i want to see a germany brazil final i think that would just be so fun but at the same time i want argentina brazil Neymar versus Messi the storylines but boy I say
2: Brazil wins it. I have to say I mean I want I want Argentina to win but I got to say I think Germany's going to take it again just cuz they're just through the whole qualifiers they would like they would play their young guys. They would pull up guys from their U20s and still just spank teams and it wouldn't even be it would be almost effortless and they'd be so efficient mm-hmm. with their passing and then I can't imagine their full senior team in their World Cup roster set and just ravaging through the group stages and just ripping through the teams in the elimination stages i think germany is going to be phenomenal coming into the world cup
1: i think they will be too the way they've looked at the youth stages england's look really good at the youth stages don't be surprised if they look pretty good 2022 2026 world cups but this one i don't think they're strong enough they had a good showing with some youngsters against germany the other day at wembley and nil nil draw there Loftus cheek the chelsea youth product playing pretty well in the midfield England as a whole not looking strong enough, I think, but we'll see how that goes. This is something to be excited about in a few months' time. I'm already excited about the World Cup. I don't know. just gets me way too pumped up, <laughs> too far away to get too excited about, but something that's not too far away, at least, is this weekend's EPL matchups, the North London Derby. That one kicks off the weekend, 4.30 Pacific time, so that's going to be a tough one to get up for, but pretty good game nonetheless, Tottenham and... Arsenal Arsenal looking sluggish, I think. Tottenham's looking lively. That win against Real Madrid in the Champions League, probably going to help them out there. I think Tottenham takes that game, but that's the big game, obviously, of the weekend. But the big storyline, I think that's going to steal the, the light, might be that Zlatan Ibrahimovic could play again in the Premier League against Newcastle for Man United. Paul Pogba's back from injury, too, by the way. So Man United could be back. That's just exciting on on itself, but the, the North London derby, that's a fun one, I think, every single time they play Tottenham and Arsenal, two clubs down the road from each other in North London, they just hate each other. That's just one of the most fun derbies to watch among the Manchester United-Liverpool match, the Merseyside derby between Liverpool and Everton. I, I think the North London derby is just so fun, so... I don't know what you guys are looking forward to, but for me, those are the two things that I am most thrilled about is seeing Zlatan Ibrahimovic potentially back, Pogba being back, and the North London Derby.
2: I am looking forward to sleeping in on that day and not watching the game because I know our good friend Will will be watching it for us.
1: Yeah, friend of the podcast, Will Campbell, big Arsenal fan, he will be watching that game and we will probably be exchanging some text messages when Spurs win. <laughs>
2: I think Spurs will take it two one though. Um, if I was to throw a score prediction out there,
1: yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know. I'm I'm saying Spurs is gonna Spurs Spurs win by two goals. I think three one.
2: I don't know. I think it, I think they'll keep it pretty close.
1: Looks, looks pretty good right now.
2: I think they'd be keeping it pretty close.
1: All right. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Cal, you
1: have any anything you want to say about the North London Derby?
0: I mean, I'm hearing a lot of talk over here, North London Derby. Got my eyes on this city, Leicester City matchup. But um, really, my eyes draw immediately to this Watford-West Ham matchup. Definitely excited to get back from the international break as a Watford supporter.
1: Cal is probably the only Watford fan in the state of Oregon. Maybe even the (laughs) west coast of the United States. Nah, there's probably someone in California.
0: I mean, that'd be generous, honestly. But uh, yeah, definitely a Watford supporter. Um, It's been a fun season. Sitting ninth in the the table right now you know i feel like we could honestly be a little bit higher haven't we've had some uh, exciting finishes throughout the season but yeah what a surprise hopefully we can keep this form maybe finish the season top 10 maybe even a little better but yeah
1: i think a top 10 finish is totally feasible silva has been coaching the heck out of that team
0: i mean yeah you've been hearing the rumors of silva possibly leaving
1: Everton the target.
0: Yeah, exactly. Everton the target there. But yeah, it's been a great season for Wofford. Can't wait to see what's in store. See how it finishes up over these last couple months.
1: Gotta love a Troy Deeney goal call. That that got can to. get your your hairs on your arms standing up the back of your neck as well. Just That's an exciting player to watch up top. I don't know. The EPL's back. It's fun. I missed it last weekend with all these silly friendlies. But you got that little mixture of the World Cup qualifiers to... Get you excited, but I know something, Adam. You're most excited about. It's probably the Champions League.
2: Champions League. Oh yeah, and big
1: Barcelona guy.
2: Finally back next week. We got a lot of really good matchups. Actually, we got. Let's see. I just picked out a couple. We got Liverpool Sevilla. We got Dortmund Tottenham, PSG Celtic, Roma, Atletico, and of course Barca, Juve. Um, I think the only teams that are guaranteed through right now are. There's not many. I just, there's Man City. There's, there's
1: one more Tottenham. little push that's gonna get yeah. them through, and that's this game.
2: Man City, Tottenham, PSG, or Bayern are the only teams completely assured all the way through. Um, obviously, teams like Man U, Roma, Barca, Juve, Liverpool have at least qualified for the Europa, but obviously they still have a game or two to play, or a game to play. I think. Uh, let's see. What is it? Barcelona. is Barcelona playing. At Juve, yeah, they they yeah, they're playing at Juventus, I believe. So that should be, I think it should be a good game. I I would hope we can pull that out. I think it's definitely a little bit weaker team, Juve team this year than it was two years ago. That they uh, oh faced.
1: Juventus is nothing compared yeah. to what they were.
2: Their their defense which is, is really a shame. A, yeah, a form. Unfortunately, it's a shadow of its former self.
1: Hard to watch Syria all right now.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of excited about this uh, PSG Celtic game, even though PSG is all the way, all the way through already. Um,
1: Celtics fun to watch and PSG's yeah. a joy to watch. Neymar and Mbappe, they're just so fun to watch play.
2: Yeah, I was I was definitely a little bit surprised how well they're doing outside of League One. Um, I know they're <laughs> league well. Oh. League, league, uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Adams' attempt at a French accent.
2: Yeah, I might have to uh, cut that. Anyways, but we'll see. I'm a little bit surprised that they're doing as well as they are outside of League One. But again, uh, Neymar is a pretty—he's a pretty crafty fellow. Uh, he did—he did his work at Barcelona and ran off to chase money, which is—you know—it happens. I'm not. Uh, you're,
1: you're still bitter.
2: A little bitter, but we're doing fine. Dembele is looks like he could be back for the Clasico in was it four weeks? I wouldn't—I wouldn't rush him back. We seem to be doing all right. We have a four-point or Barcelona has a four-point lead over uh, was it Valencia right now, and I believe a nine-point lead over Real Madrid. And Madrid, I know some Madridans are kind of freaking out, but I'm like, all right, like, come on, Patriots had a rough start in the NFL this year, but they're fine. You know, it's like, same thing, you know. Same yeah. thing? Pretty much. Okay. It's like...
1: NFL to Champions League. Yeah. Good, good comparison. Well, to, to La Liga.
2: To La Liga. La Liga. La Liga. yeah. Okay. So, Real, yeah, Real Madrid's back, I think, I believe it's nine points, and everyone's like, oh, sell bail, and, you know, do all of like, no, no, like, hang on, just a second. Like, you guys are just freaking out over nothing. So... I'm glad that Barca got off to a good start. I'm kind of bummed that Suarez is, man, he had two bad misses and was it two back-to-back games, almost open nets. Um, But he's been battling that uh, knee injury for a little while that he sustained in the Classico back in August, I believe. And so he's still been rehabbing that, and I'm hoping by the time New Year's rolls around, he and Dembele will be back on the field and causing some havoc up top.
1: And we'll see how that one turns out. For me, at least, the Dortmund-Tottenham game is one of the most exciting ones for me. I just like watching Spurs play, and I like watching Dortmund play. They're they're two of the most fun teams to watch. PSG's up there as well, Barcelona, of course. But two teams that are just maybe not as... that come to the front of your mind when you think of a fast-paced, fun team to watch. And that, for me, it's Tottenham and Dortmund. That's going to be a really good game, I hope. The Real Madrid-Spurs game was a good one. I, I'm hoping to see something similar to that. Obviously, United's group's not as... Difficult, but that's a game I'll be watching um, closely just to see how they perform because they need one more win, I believe, to get into the next round securely. And watching Jose Mourinho coach this team in big games has been really bad. They haven't won a Premier League game against the top 16 with Mourinho in charge, and that, that's that been uh, pretty tough for United. But, I don't know, Dortmund-Tottenham, that's my big game this week to keep an eye on in the Champions League, at least. Barcelona, UVA, of course, but Dortmund-Tottenham, I think, is the the best game of soccer you might see
0: yeah i'd agree with that um definitely looking forward to the uh tottenham tottenham match watch tottenham in the first leg of that uh little series right there and i definitely enjoyed it uh, a lot of players i like on that team i've also got my eye on uh, as adam said barcelona and juve i curious to see who can come out in that group obviously a solid three there with barcelona juve and sporting so whoever coming out of that one is definitely going to be uh prepared for a run here and we'll see what happens this week but
1: that's gonna do it for soccer talk at the emerald podcast network for Cal Will, adam eberhardt i'm sean meadow you can check us out at dailyemerald.com the wherever you get your podcasts we have a sidebar at dailyemerald.com you can check out other podcasts as well subscribe to us on itunes stitcher wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to us there and if you have a a name for the podcast better than emerald fc Let us know, but we'll catch you next time for some soccer talk here on the Emerald Podcast Network.